Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another incredible episode. I'm so excited to be here. We get to interview everyday innovators from across the globe. And sometimes I have the good fortune of meeting them at conferences I speak for, meetings or company events. And I'm always really excited because I see a nugget of their brilliance on stage or in our conversation. And then I have the opportunity to ask them to come on the show and to share their wisdom with you, which is exactly what's going to happen today. I met this incredible woman in Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago, and now she's on the show. So let me tell you a little bit about Casey and her everyday innovator style, and then I'll have her introduce herself to you. So her power triggers, her wellspring of innovation comes from a combination of imaginative and collaborative. So imaginative is all about innovation in the gaps, playing where knowledge and information maybe don't exist. Imaginatives are really good at kind of fresh perspective on things. Collaborative is all about pulling disparate people and ideas and experiences together to create whole innovation. I always talk about how collaboratives is like pulling all these puzzle pieces together from all these different places, but they put it together in a way that makes a new puzzle. So that magic in the combination of imaginative collaborative means that part of Casey's personal brand, her innovation style, the value that she brings to the world is bringing novel and whole innovation to the table. I heard it when she talked a little bit at this conference about the industry and the state of the industry and what she's doing and in our conversation after, and I'm excited to bring it to you. So Casey, welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Thank you so much. And you have a way when you talk about your, you know, innovator styles to feel like you feel so complimentary. Like I'm hearing you talk about my style. You are. Like, Is that really me? I sound so great when you say <laughs> it that way. You are great. <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, for having me. Um, like you said, I'm Casey Beck. I am a senior category manager for um, the largest automotive aftermarket retailer here in the U.S. as well as multiple locations across the world. Um, so, I mean, I guess about me, when I think about me, I think about more of the, the things I do outside of work sometimes. But, you know, I'm just a, an average young adult. I live in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, have, I'm a dog mom, also a wife. Um, and I, you know, just love like live music, art, trying new restaurants, all of those things. Um, so I guess I like to be, you know, a little bit of a learner and experiencing new things um, inside and outside of work. So I just have to know, because I'm a dog mom too, I have a big old Mastiff. What are, what are your dogs? Well, it's I try not to explain it because it's so confusing, but she is a, a white Pyrenees mixed with a Pomeranian. Oh. Um, yeah. So not really sure how it happened, but I'm glad it did. <laughs> the image in my head is like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I really love the way you, because I just have to say, I love the way you introduced yourself as this kind of whole person, which we all are. And I think sometimes there's this myth that like when we introduce ourselves, we introduce, I, you know, I'm Tamara and I work in innovation, not like I'm Tamara, I'm a mom, I have two teenage boys, I work in innovation, I have a dog, I'm training for an Ironman. Like that's really who you are at the end of the day is all those things. So thank you for sharing it that way. I want to start with a win or something you're proud of. Can you share a story of that? Well, yeah, I feel like it's kind of 
you know, easy because you already introduced it a bit, but um, we met at the Women in Auto Care Leadership Conference. Um, and I was able to speak on the global supply chain and how it's affecting, you know, not only our industry, but really retail as a whole. And so that was a big moment for me. You know, I've done a lot of speaking like at my company, um, you know, in conference rooms, things like that. But I've never, you know, stood up on a stage with a little clicker um, and, you know, imparted my thoughts on a, you know, large group of people. So that was really exciting. It was really scary, but I'm glad that I pushed myself to do something that, you know, I hadn't done before. Hey, let me, first of all, congratulations. And it is funny how the clicker makes you feel powerful. There's something about <laughs> right. the clicker, right? I don't know what it is. I feel the same way. I want to ask a you, teacher. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just powerful. I want to ask you a couple of questions about it because I think speaking in public in particular, and especially if you don't, you know, if you're not a paid speaker, if that's not your job where you get on stage all the time, you know, it's a scary thing for a lot of people. And that I think speaking can be in front of a meeting and presenting a new idea, talking to someone one-on-one and trying to like push something forward, or like you did in front of a group of, I don't know, a couple, I don't remember how many people exactly, but like called a couple hundred people. I'm just curious, first of all, what made you say yes to the opportunity? And then the second part of that question, Casey, is what did you do to prepare to do something that pushed you out of your comfort zone? I think all too often, like we want to leap, but sometimes we leap carelessly and then it doesn't work so well because we didn't prepare because you still have to prepare to go outside your zone. So will you talk about those two things? Yeah. So, I mean, the putting myself out there part or raising my hand for the opportunity like I, I joke that I'm like a glutton for punishment because, you know, despite all the other things I'm going on, there's still this like little like fire inside of me that is like, um, raise your hand or there's other people that are experiencing what you are and you should talk about it or stretch yourself. And so as much as I get like frustrated with myself for putting myself in like a uncomfortable situation, sometimes I'm ultimately happy and I'm glad because I know that there's this little fire in me that's being satisfied by growing and expanding. Um, I'd also be like remiss if I didn't say um, the other women who are part of the organization are huge cheerleaders for me. Um, There was Ellie Lawhead as well as Jessica Delicious. And um, they both wanted to see me like grow and thrive. And so that was just such a huge thing for me to know, you know, I have, a bunch of cheerleaders that are pushing me to be better. So that was kind of the like raising my hand part, but knowing that if I did fall, I had a support system that believed in me regardless of how I performed. So you said two really important things that I just want to call out for our audience because I think they're so important. One is you talked about the fire inside of you. Um, and I just have to say that really resonates with me because I, I think about the times where I've gone to bed at night and not stoked that fire. And usually that's a little bit of regret in some way. Um, you know, like, I just don't feel great about what I did, what I didn't say, what I didn't say yes to the opportunity I didn't take, whatever it is, because I didn't stoke the fire. So I think it's really cool that you kind of talked about it in that way. And I want everybody thinking out there thinking about, like, what is that little voice inside that nudges you? Because I think we all have it. And sometimes we ignore it. And sometimes we pay attention to it. And you paid attention to it, right? The fire inside. And the other thing you talked about is the having the cheerleaders, right? And that is that group was an incredibly accomplished group of women, also very supportive people of each other, which is very cool to see. Um, and it's funny because I think like we were so afraid of failure, but when we, and we're just going to use your example, right. Of getting on stage, people want us to succeed. Most people want us to succeed. Um, maybe some here and there, but generally speaking, right. But we forget that because we get so wrapped up in our own failure or our own fear of failure. Right. Yeah. Like 
98% of the women in that room, probably a hundred, you know, wanted to hear an interesting speech. They wanted to lift someone up that was a first time speaker. And I think that's a good point. Like if you can kind of, if you can kind of get out of your own universe where you're the star and realize that all these other like stars of their universe are, you know, cheering for you, or at least like wanting to hear what you say, it kind of removes you from being like the the focal point or like the pinnacle of whatever this result is. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Like get out of your universe a little bit. I love that. Love it. Will you share a story of a time that you did something where you thought differently, drove some innovation? Um, So I kind of spoke about this a bit, um, you know, during going over like, you know, global supply chain and things like that. Um, You know, a lot of people have seen just even on the news, if they don't work with it directly, that there's been lots of port congestion. There's been, it's been really long lead times uh, to get your product here. So that was something that, you know, we've been partnering with all of the uh, really like the experts on logistics, supply chain, things like that, to really think creatively on how can we get our product to the customer when they expect it, how they expect it. I guess an example of that would be, you know, traditionally things are coming through the West Coast um, and then, you know, trucking across the country. Well, we looked at ways of, you know, how can we use some of these more like ancillary ports that, you know, in the past it would have been viewed as, you know, too difficult or too expensive. But now, you know, we're the people that are pushing to these different areas, avoiding congestion, getting our product to our customers sooner. And we're really seeing gains in, you know, market share growth because of these tactics. So I love that story because, and and that is part of the reason why I was like, I must ask her to be on the the podcast was when you were sharing this stuff is because I think it's a great example of taking the reality of the challenges that we're in and turning them into something, maybe not positive, but at least moving the needle forward for yourself and your customers. And I do find all too often, well, let me say it differently. I feel like there's two camps. One camp is I'm going to wait it out until things get better. And there's a lot of apologies, right? I'm sorry, I can't do this because we have this problem. We can't do this due to the COVID. We can't do this due to the fill in the blank, right? And those problems are real. Like the supply chain is very, very real. Um, But the other camp, which is what you're saying is, hey, how do I think differently about this to at least improve the situation for ourselves and our customers? Um, And I'm curious, when you guys started looking at different approaches and, and thinking differently and being innovative, was it all like sunshine and everybody's like, yeah, let's do this differently. Was there resistance? Like, how did you work through that? Because right first you got to get into the camp of we're going to do this differently. And then you got to push those ideas forward, which is a whole different part of the conversation. Right. I think that the first thing to say is that rarely, and especially in our situation, rarely are you immediately in that let's do something different. A lot of times you kind of get burned a little bit for waiting And then, which is something we happen, you know, everyone thought, oh, this will blow over or whatever it may be. And so there was some pain from waiting and not being proactive. And then to your point, it's, do you go into, you know, almost like survival mode in a sense to be innovative and create, or do you continue? And we were able to push into that like innovative creative space. Of course, we're going to have, you know, naysayers for lack of better words. because maybe maybe something innovative does cost a little bit more and that's not what we'd envisioned for you know you know our year or whatever um but ultimately the team and I think we're really lucky the team was all very focused on the end goal which was the customer for us 
And so we didn't have too many like, you know, people blocking the way for us to grow and change. And so I think that's huge for how we were actually successful because everyone was willing to evolve. So I want to back up for a second because um, you had said right when you were sharing this that there was there was some pain at first when you were waiting it out a little bit and I think a lot of us were not to justify it but you know trying to figure out where that everything was headed before we even made a decision um, but there was pain associated with that and I always tell people in people need to feel the pain in order to see the possibilities sometimes with innovation we go too quickly to solution but people are like I don't what's the pain here like I have no pain but you guys felt the pain and that pain drove the opportunity to innovate. And I'm not saying I want us all to feel pain, but don't you think, or do you think it's actually sometimes helpful to have a little bit of pain before you try to shift how you do things? Yeah, because I mean, it, it pushes you, you, you're now uncomfortable. You're feeling pain, you're now uncomfortable. You're in the state of being uncomfortable and you want to return back to comfort. Yeah. Um, and so if you're already kind of comfortable, why would you why would you bring on more risk? Or I think that's kind of just more like our innate feelings of like, you you want to return to a state of comfort. Um, but in order to, you know, combat an issue or to grow, you've got to kind of fluctuate in between those two phases of like risk and comfort. The hu- humans are so funny. It's human nature. We are built to get back to homeostasis. So, right. To, to like even basically, and even is really comfortable. And, and I think, organizations work like human, like an organism. I think like we're always working to get back to something more comfortable. Um, I really appreciate how you said that. What is a big challenge you faced and how have you overcome it? Um, well, I guess like that's, that's kind of been my world so much of right now is this um, supply constraint. But I, I think one of the issues like more abstract is kind of communicating to our customer, whether it be business or a physical customer buying a product, like what we're experiencing and how it's affecting them. Um, That's something that we've been dealing with, especially on like our business to business standpoint is here's what's going on in a macro environment. Here's how you're seeing it in product availability, product costs, whatever it may be, but really kind of connecting your pain to their pain and showing them how you're you're trying to resolve to improve their their current environment because that's you know as we said earlier their universe. Um, so but yeah, that's not some like big beautiful problem, but like getting your customer to see where you are um, creates trust and creates you know return you know business and things like that. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market. But the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. 
Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing. According to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy's CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Do you think that there is a, a tipping point of like, you're in this together versus like, hey, I need help. And I can't like, I get your problems, but I, I, I need to move forward too. And I don't know. Let, let me give it to a personal example. And then maybe that'll make this question a little clearer. Um, you know, sometimes, so I'm traveling again, right? We're, I'm back on the road and more consistently than I have been for the last two years. And in hotels, I find they're very inconsistent about their cleaning, having coffee in the room. Like, you know, sometimes I'm supposed to call down to tell them I want my bed made, but I didn't know that. So it didn't happen. I came back to a messy bed. I'm sorry, but the one thing in a hotel is like, just, I would like a clean room. Like I don't, I have to make my own bed at home. It would be nice <laughs> when I travel. And too. So, and I know it's a first world problem, but like, it's just inconsistent when I call down and I say, Hey, there's no, co- there's no coffee pot in the room. Like what am I, and, and there's no delivery. They're like, I'm sorry. We, you know, we don't have the staff. And there's a part of me that's like, all right, I get it. Right. I get that you're struggling, but then there's a part of me that's like, can you go figure it out? Um, because I, like, I need to be up and awake for this meeting that I have at eight o'clock in the morning. So how do you balance that? Like I'm with you, I get it. And Hey, the customer's got problems that need to be solved. Yeah. I mean, so we're, I mean, we take pride in being like so customer centric. Um, so I think it's just like a relationship that you have with a significant other friend, family, writer. it's all about communication. Um, you, you create the foundation of we're in this together. I understand there's not a lot of things that I can change, but the things that I can change, I'm really going to go that extra mile for you on those. Um, And kind of tying into your hotel example, wouldn't you have felt better if at the front desk, they told you, these are the services we're providing. These ones are the ones that we're not. Let us know if you'd like something else in exchange for something I just said. You wouldn't have felt as like, oh, they didn't do that. And I didn't hear about it. You know, like setting expectations up front. If I were a leader in the hospitality, Casey, I would be calling you right now to try to pull you away from your company. I'm not kidding you because I feel like if you just did that and handed me a little beautifully done card, that's like, here's the situation. I'm so sorry. Here's what we can do. And, and you said something else that I want all of us to start. I'm going to put this on a sticky note later about like, okay, I can't, I'm like, here's the challenges we're facing. I can't change these things, but the things I can change, I'm going to go the extra mile on. I think there's something so powerful in that, whether you are an emerging leader, a leader, out in the market selling a product, like whatever your position is, I think that solves a lot of things for a lot of people. And I also think there's great room for innovation, innovative thinking in the things that you go the extra mile on and focusing on, on those things, you know? Right. 
So my question now to you is, we talked a little bit about you being an imaginative collaborative. What does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator? Yeah, and I think that this is really kind of like a, it's probably exactly what you think of being an innovator, because I heard you say it in, you know, your presentation, but just tweaked a little. But, you know, innovation isn't always like starting a new company or, you know, creating a brand new product or whatever it may be. Like an everyday innovator to me is exactly what it sounds like. Everyday tasks, your everyday work, but how can you think about it differently? How can you partner with people to, you know, improve how you're getting something done? Like innovation is under every little rock of what you do. And if you're waiting for that big aha moment, you're going to miss all of the like small innovations that could lead up to one of those one day. I think that is so powerful. And I really like that visual of like every little rock because you just never know. And I think you really, you said it so beautifully when you talked about like, it's in every little task. And you know, it's funny, it's to me, it's like compounding value, right? All those little things to your point add up, but we look for that big disruptive thing. And do you, do you find with the people and with yourself actually, and the people you work with that sometimes when we try to go like blue skies, disruptive, big out of the box, out of the gate, like that's kind of the mandate that it almost is harder to get there than if we just started with the little stuff and kind of built a pathway to the big innovation. I I find that sometimes just trying to get people to be super disruptive out of the gate actually shuts them down. Do you, do you experience that at all? Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, you know, as like an imaginative, I'm very attracted to the big picture blue sky because it's so, it's so life-changing. And that's exciting for me, but, um, and there's this book and I don't want to even try to like, go into it because I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically around like design thinking. Um, And it's kind of like designing solutions to problems, designing like aspects of your life. And it never starts with this giant idea. It's always with, you know, let's draw a picture of, you know, what something you'd like to do and then draw a little picture off of that picture. Um, And so, yeah, I totally agree. And if you, if you spend a lot of time looking for these giant ahas, um, you might never find it. And, and that can be disappointing and kind of like discouraging for all of your like small innovations that are out there. Oh, I love that. And you know, it's when you were talking about like draw a little thing and go bigger, I always think of it as, I love that. I always think of it as incremental to innovative. So I think sometimes when we brainstorm, right, when we're like, okay, we got to generate ideas, we pretend like the incremental ones don't exist and we try to leap over them to get to the bigger ones. But I think it's better if we start with like, let's get the obvious out on the table. Like, let's do the ones that are close in and then let's take those and use those as a springboard to get to bigger ideas and then bigger ideas and bigger ideas to kind of like what you said, right? Like start little and kind of go bigger and bigger from there. Well, and like, if you follow a methods like that, you're achieving things along the way and achieving things, well, at least for me, like I'm a like driven by achieving, which is good and bad, but it motivates you to push for that next innovation. But if, if you don't see any like, checkpoints and you can't check off your list that you achieve this, then you might lose momentum going to that bigger, greater thing. Yeah. Those small wins really matter, don't they? Yes. Like they just, they keep us going for sure. Um, Yeah. I have weird wins where I'm like, oh, you know, I only reheated my coffee twice today, you know, like check. Do you make them up during the day, like to keep you going? Cause I totally do that. Yes, definitely. I have, so my little, it's so funny you say that Casey, cause my to-do list is really more of a milestone list, 
right? Of like, I got this project moved this far forward. Like I have to hit this milestone on it versus like the task. And that makes me feel so much better. Oh yeah. They say like, you know, some people write down things they've already achieved just to check them off. And I think it's definitely like, a you know, whatever the word is, but like mentally stimulates you, makes you feel good. Even if like right down, I made my bed, even though I made it two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> I've only reheated my coffee twice. That's amazing. I love that. I'm going to say, I'm going to do that, but switch it to, I've only had two cups of coffee versus like <laughs> the eight that I've been going doing lately. Um, how do you, how do you stay as an everyday innovator? How do you ignite innovation in those, like the habits, the routines, the things that you do? You know what? I think this ties to like one of my styles, but I think collaboration is so important. Like if you're kind of thinking to yourself constantly, like you just, I, I say you as an, I, like I need outside influence. Like I need to talk to someone who thinks different than me, or maybe that thinks the same as me, but isn't exactly me. Um, that keeps me like feeling really fresh and innovative because I like to hear what they think and then kind of meld it with my idea. Um, and that's just on little things like having someone come by your desk, or if you work from home, calling someone on zoom, um, having that interaction and that constant flow of outside ideas is really important. That's totally the collaborative side. I love it. And what's cool about that for you too, is you take all that, like the consuming, and then you turn it into these fresh perspectives of like, how do I make this new, like novel and not just repeat, right? Because we can regurgitate stuff pretty easily, but you're kind of turning it into fresh stuff, which is really cool. Um, It's so interesting to me too, with collaboratives. And I don't know, now with work from home, it's a little bit different, but Back in the day when we were all in the office nine to five, Monday through Friday, um, collaboratives, all, often you see them talking to a lot of people. So they sometimes get in trouble for not looking productive, but that's actually collaboratives gathering information that's going to like in the subconscious brain somehow come together later. But you need that stimulation. Um, it's so funny because collaborative is my dormant, so I don't need it and I don't want it until later, right? Until I'm like a little bit further down the path. But it, it's interesting how collaboratives often get in trouble for talking too much. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're partially, we're like a hybrid environment at work. And I think about that sometimes I'm like, you know, someone in leadership walks by and they see me sitting at someone's desk. I'm like, oh, I bet they think I'm just, you know, hanging out, hanging out, which sometimes I am. You know? <laughs> but a lot of times I am like, I'm feeding off other people's energy, asking them about their business, um, what they're doing. Uh, so yeah, I totally get that. Since I'm like, okay, I've got a duck, you know, I haven't yeah. been at my desk in an hour. You know what, though, sometimes that hanging out are the best conversations where you don't have an objective. I just did a 10 minute burst of these lives I do every Monday about boredom makes you more innovative. But my point was simply like, if we just hang for a little bit, sometimes our brains get a little mental break, the subconscious mind kicks in, like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like the best conversations come accidentally, not when I like came with like, Casey, I have an objective, it's something I need to talk to you about, just like that 10 minute conversation. So I'm totally with you. Um, what's one piece of advice that you have for other everyday innovators out there that are looking to innovate, influence, and make an impact the way you have? Um, I think that I kind of touched on it a bit, but I, I think it's just like appreciating the small innovations and, you know, not, you know, not putting so much pressure on yourself to achieve something big with the way that you're innovating, but, you know, start by innovating the little things around you, the things that you do have, you know, immediate impact on. and you know, not setting yourself for, you know, something that can't be innovated for years or something like that, but really just kind of like taking that pressure off of yourself and creating small wins. Let me ask you a question about that. Cause I really, I really appreciate and like that for kind of 
you know, all the reasons innovation where I think we make it hard and complex when it's kind of right in front of us. Um, for some people, I think recognizing something that could be like something to consider or an innovation that makes them go, ooh, right? Like you get that moment of like, oh, like you kind of feel it. How do you know when you're just, I don't know, when that's like when you've pulled up or opened up that, opened up that rock, that didn't make sense. When you've pulled up that rock and like there's a little something there, how do you know that that's something worth pursuing versus just ignoring? I think oftentimes we accidentally, to your point earlier, overlook the small ones and we have to get into the habit of like, seeing them for what they are. Yeah. I mean, this probably isn't like the best answer, but I like, I really like truly get giddy. Like I'm kind of like giggling to myself. I'm like, Ooh, that was a good one. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, love that. I think honestly, like maybe even trusting like your physical reaction to something. So like when I like verbally, like I'm talking to myself at my desk and I'm like kind of giggling at something, I'm like, okay, this has excited me and I should probably like dig into this a little further. So I think there's a lot of physical things that your body does when it, you know, recognizes something exciting or something that you should put more energy into. It, it really does go back to what you said about um, feeding the fire too, right? Like that's kind of a, actually really a physical thing too. But I just, I love that because I, I just have to tell you, I was just yesterday having a conversation with someone we were talking about the IQE and some things I wanted to do and we were just bantering around ideas and like it was fine it was fine and then one of us said something that lit us both up and if we were sitting at lunch like this suddenly both of us were like Whoa! like oh my god it's so what you just said it's a physical response that you get when something lands and that's the part that we have to not you're so right that's the part that we have to not walk away from because it's telling you something. It may not be the best idea moving forward, like in the end, but it's telling you there's something there. Right. Yeah. It could, the, it, the idea in a week could be really, really bad, but you can't ignore those things that like make you feel a certain way. Oh, you would just uh, totally just reminded me of that lunch yesterday where both of us just laughed because we sat up instantly and both of us got wide eyes. We're like, oh, <laughs> you know, we got a little giddy about it. I love it. Casey, this is, this is just a wealth of great insights. Thank you for sharing your story and your experience and your wisdom with us. I want to end on one personal question as I always do, which is what's something we'd be surprised to learn about you? Okay. So, um, so I, you know, I'm in a corporate environment. I work with cars, but in my free time, I design and create clothing. Um, and I've been doing that for a couple of years. I, you know, debuted some of my clothing in local fashion week. And I actually have like a small, um, like scarf designing company that I have. So kind of random and it's kind of goes to the whole, like glutton for punishment, like putting more stuff on yourself, but it just, I feel that's my creative, innovative outlet outside of work. And I, you know, love creating and designing. Okay. I love that. I can't wait to go buy a scarf. <laughs> and second, don't you find that having a passion project of some kind feeds your soul and just makes you happier in everything else that you do? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's like having a friendship, you know, like um, it's, it's like it's a friendship with yourself in a way. It's something that you can nurture and grow. It might not be it might not pertain to what you do every single day, but it's something that, you know, like represents what what's truly important to you. Um, and like, for me, that's, you know, creating and creating something beautiful. And, you know, and I, I was just talking about this the other day with some people, we spend so much time consuming and not enough time creating in this world. We just, we take in stimulus all day long. So I think it's really 
great to have a, a passion project of some kind or, or, or something you love. It doesn't have to be a project. It could be something you do a lot. Um, that's about creating in whatever way you create, you know? So that was great. Thank you for sharing that. Casey, thank yeah. you so much. I knew when I saw you talk about the global supply chain, as sexy as that sounds, and I was like, yes, she has got to be on the show because the way you talked about it, um, I think really landed, but also the way you pulled it together, I thought was really creative and made it more meaningful to the audience. I just, I knew it. I was like, I need to have her on my show. So thank you for coming on. I can't wait to release this episode. It really has been wonderful. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And it was really lovely and like energizing having this conversation this morning. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.